The True Chronicle History of King Lear and His Three Daughters, Goneril, Regan, and Cordella, as it hath been divers and sundry times lately acted. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Dramatis Personae King Lear, King of Britain Read by Algy Pug Scaliger, King Lear's Counselor Read by Capricia Page Perilous, King Lear's Counselor Read by Todd The Gallian King, King of France, Husband of Cordella Read by Alan Wayman Mumford, the Gallian King's Attendant Read by David Warner the King of Cornwall, husband of Goneril. Read by G. M. Preswara. Morgan, King of Cambria, husband of Regan. Read by Alan Mapstone. Servant to the King of Cornwall. Read by Lambda. Servant to the King of Cambria. Read by Phil Bansom. Messenger, or murderer, in the service of Goneril. Read by Martin Geeson. Ambassador from Gallia to Britain. Read by Elizabeth Clatt. First Mariner. Read by Lambda. Second Mariner. Read by Phil Bansom. Captain of the Watch. Read by Dustin Tuttle. First Watchman. Read by Alan Wayman. Second Watchman. Read by Algie Pug. First British Captain. Read by Dustin Tuttle. Second British Captain. Read by Phil Bansom. Goneril, eldest daughter of King Lear, wife of the King of Cornwall. Read by Grace Garrett. Regan, second daughter of King Lear, wife of the King of Cambria. Read by Charlotte Duckett. Cordella, youngest daughter of King Lear, wife of the Gallian King. Read by Libby Gone. Noblemen and Nobles. Read by Ariel Lipshaw. Narrator. Read by Algie Pug. Scene. Britain, Cambria, Cornwall, and Gallia. End of Dramatis Personae. Act One. Scene One. Presence Chamber in King Lear's Palace at Troy Navant. Enter King Lear, Scaliger, Perilous, and Nobles. Thus to our grief the obsequies performed of our too late deceased and dearest queen, whose soul, I hope, possessed of heavenly joys, doth ride in triumph amongst the cherubims. Let us request your grave advice, my lords, for the disposing of our princely daughters, for whom our care is specially employed, as nature bindeth, to advance their states in royal marriage with some princely mates for wanting now their mother's good advice under whose government they have received a perfect pattern of a virtuous life left as it were a ship without a stern or a silly sheep without a pastor's care although ourselves do dearly tender them yet are we ignorant of their affairs for fathers best do know how to govern sons, but daughter steps the mother's counsel turns. A son we want for to succeed our crown, 
and course of time hath cancelled the date of further issue from our withered loins one foot already hangeth in the grave and age hath made deep furrows in my face the world of me i of the world am weary and i would fain resign these earthly cares and think upon the welfare of my soul which by no better means may be effected than by resigning up the crown from me in equal dowry to my daughters three a worthy care my liege which well declares the zeal you bear our quondam queen and since your grace hath licensed me to speak i censure thus your majesty knowing well what several suitors your princely daughters have to make them each a jointure more or less as is their worth to them that love profess no more nor less but even all alike my zeal is fixed old-fashioned in one mould wherefore unpartial shall my censure be both old and young shall have alike for me my gracious lord i heartily do wish that god had lent you an heir indubitate which might have set upon your royal throne when fates should loose the prison of your life by whose succession all this doubt might cease and as by you by him we might have peace but after wishes ever come too late and nothing can revoke the course of fate wherefore my liege my censure deems it best to match them with some of your neighbour kings bordering within the bounds of albion by whose united friendship this our state may be protected gainst all foreign hate herein my lords your wishes sought with mine and mine i hope do sought with heavenly powers for at this instant two near neighbouring kings of cornwall and of cambria motion love towards my two daughters goneril and regan my youngest daughter fair cordella vows no liking to a monarch unless love allows she is solicited by david's peers but none of them her partial fancy hears yet if my policy may her beguile i'll match her to some king within this isle and so establish such a perfect peace as fortune's force shall ne'er prevail to cease of us and ours your gracious care my lord deserves an everlasting memory to be enrolled in chronicles of fame by never-dying perpetuity yet to become so provident a prince lose not the title of a loving father do not force love where fancy cannot dwell lest dreams being stopped above the banks do swell i am resolved and even now my mind doth meditate a sudden stratagem to try which of my daughters loves me best which till i know i cannot be in rest this granted when they jointly shall contend each to exceed the other in their love then at the vantage will i take cordella even as she doth protest she loves me best i'll say then daughter grant me one request to show thou lovest me as thy sisters do except a husband who myself will woo this said she cannot well deny my suit although poor soul her senses will be mute then will i triumph in my policy and match her with the king of brittany i'll to them before and bewray your secrecy thus fathers think their children to beguile 
and oft times themselves do first repent when heavenly powers do frustrate their intent. Exeunt. Act One, Scene Two, A Room in King Lear's Palace. Enter Goneril and Regan. I marvel, Regan, how you can endure to see that proud pert Pete, our youngest sister, so slightly to account of us, her elders, as if we were no better than herself. We cannot have a quaint device so soon, or new-made fashion of our choice invention, but if she like it, she will have the same, or study newer to exceed us both. What should I do? Would it were in my power to find a cure for this contagious ill? Some desperate medicine must be soon applied to dim the glory of her mounting fame. Else it be long, she'll have both prick and praise, and we must be set by for working days. Do you not see what several choice of suitors she daily hath, and of best degree, say, amongst all, she'll have to fancy one, and have a husband when as we have none? Why, then, by right to her we must give place, though it be ne'er so much to our disgrace? By my virginity, rather than she shall have a husband before me, I'll marry one or other in his shirt, and yet I have made half a grant already of my good will unto the King of Cornwall. So I not so deeply, sister, here cometh my lord Scaliger. Something his hasty coming doth import. Enter Scaliger. Sweet princesses, I am glad I met you here so luckily, having good news which doth concern you both, and craveth speedy expedition. For God's sake, tell us what it is, my lord. I am with child until you utter it. Madam, to save your longing, this it is. Your father in great secrecy to-day told me, he means to marry you out of hand, unto the noble prince of Cambria. You, madam, to the king of Cornwall's grace. Your younger sister he would fain bestow upon the rich king of Hibernia. But that he doubts, she hardly will consent. For hitherto she ne'er could fancy him. If she do yield, why then, between you three, he will divide his kingdom for your dowries. But yet there is a further mystery, which so you will conceal, I will disclose. Whatever thou speakest to us, kind Scaliger, think that thou speakest it only to thyself. He earnestly desireth for to know which of you three do bear most love to him, and on your loves he so extremely dotes, as never any did, I think, before. He presently doth mean to send for you, to be resolved of this tormenting doubt. And look, whose answer pleaseth him the best, they shall have most under their marriages. Oh, that I had some pleasing mermaid's voice, for to enchant his senseless senses with. For he supposeth that Cordelia will, striving to go beyond you in her love, promise to do whatever he desires. Then he will straight enjoin her for his sake, the Hibernian king to marry for to take. This is the sum of all I have to say, which being done, I humbly take my leave, not doubting but your wisdoms will foresee what course will best unto your good agree. Thanks, gentle Scaliger, thy kindness undeserved shall not be unrequited if we live. Exit Scaliger. Now we have fit occasion offered us to be revenged upon her unperceived. Nay, our revenge we will inflict on her shall be accounted piety in us. 
i will so flatter with my doting father as he was ne'er so flattered in his life nay i will say that if it be his pleasure to match me to a beggar i will yield for why i know whatever i do say he means to match me with the cornwall king i'll say the like for i am well assured whate'er i say to please the old man's mind who doubts as if he were a child again i shall enjoy the noble cambrian prince only to feed his humour will suffice to say i am content with any one whom he'll appoint me this will please him more than e'er apollo's music please jove oh i smile to think in what a woeful plight cordella will be when we answer thus for she will rather die than give consent to join in marriage with the irish king so will our father think she loveth him not because she will not grant to his desire which we will aggravate in such bitter terms that he will soon convert his love to hate for he you know is always in extremes not all the world could lay a better plot I long till it be put into practice. Exeunt. Act One, Scene Three. Presence Chamber in King Lear's Palace. Enter Lear and Perilous. Perilous, go seek my daughters. Will them immediately come and speak with me? I will, my gracious lord. Exit. Oh, what a combat feels my panting heart! twixt children's love and care of common weal how dear my daughters are unto my soul none knows but he that knows my thoughts and secret deeds ah little do they know the dear regard wherein i hold their future state to come and when they securely sleep on beds of down these aged eyes do watch for their behalf while they like wanton sport in youthful toys this throbbing heart is pierced with dire annoys as doth the sun exceed the smallest star so doth the father's love exceed the child's yet my complaints are causeless for the world affords not children more conformable and yet methinks my mind presageth still i know not what and yet I fear some ill. Enter Perilous with the three daughters. Well, here my daughters come. I have found out a present means to rid me of this doubt. Our royal lord and father, in all duty we come to know the tenor of your will. Why you so hastily have sent for us? Dear Goneril, kind Regan, sweet Cordella, ye flourishing branches of a kingly stock, sprung from a tree that once did flourish green whose blossoms now are nipped with winter's frost and pale grim death doth wait upon my steps and summons me unto his next assizes therefore dear daughters as ye tender the safety of him that was the cause of your first being resolve a doubt which much molests my mind which of you three to me would prove most kind which loves me most, and which at my request would soonest yield unto their father's hest. I hope my gracious father makes no doubt of any of his daughter's love to him. Yet for my part, to show my zeal to you, which cannot be in windy words rehearsed, I prize my love to you at such a rate, I think my life inferior to my love. Should you enjoin me for to tie a millstone about my neck, and leap into the sea at your command, I willingly would do it. 
yea for to do you good i would ascend the highest turret in all brittany and from the top leap headlong to the ground nay more should you appoint me for to marry the meanest vassal in the spacious world without reply i would accomplish it in brief command whatever you desire and if i fail no favour i require oh how thy words revive my dying soul oh how i do abhor this flattery but what saith regan to her father's will oh that my simple utterance could suffice to tell the true intention of my heart which burns in zeal of duty to your grace and never can be quenched but by desire to show the same in outward forwardness oh that there be some other maid that durst but make challenge of her love with me i'd make her soon confess she never loved her father half so well as i do you ay then my deed should prove in plainer case how much by zeal aboundeth to your grace but for them all let this one mean suffice to ratify my love before your eyes i have right noble suitors to my love no worse than kings and haply i love one yet would you have me make my choice in you i'd bridle fancy and be ruled by you did never philomel sing so sweet a note did never flatterer tell so false a tale speak now cordella make my joys at full and drop down nectar from thy honey lips i cannot paint my duty forth in words i hope my deed shall make report for me but look what love the child doth owe the father the same to you i bear my gracious lord here is an answer answerless indeed were you my daughter i should scarcely brook it dost thou not blush proud peacock as thou art to make our father such a slight reply why how now minion are you grown so proud doth our dear love make you thus peremptory what is your love become so small to us as that you scorn to tell us what it is do you love us as every child doth love their father true indeed as some who by disobedience shot their father's days and so would you some are so fatherless, sick that they would make means to rid them from the world and so would you some are indifferent whether their aged parents live or die and so are you but didst thou know proud girl what care i had to foster thee to this ah then thou wouldst say as thy sisters do our life is less than love we owe to you dear father do not so mistake my words nor my plain meaning be so misconstrued my tongue was never used to flattery you were best not to say i flatter if you do my deeds shall show i flatter not with you i love my father better than thou canst the praise were great spoke from another's mouth but it should seem your neighbours dwell far off nay here is one that will confirm as much as she has said both for myself and her i say thou dost not wish my father's good dear father peace bastard imp no issue of king lear i will not hear thee speak one tittle more call me not father if thou love thy life nor these thy sisters once presume to name look for no help henceforth from me nor mine shift as thou wilt and trust unto thyself my kingdom will i equally divide twixt thy two sisters to their royal dower 
and will bestow them worthy their deserts this done because thou shalt not have the hope to have a child's part in the time to come i presently will dispossess myself and set up these upon my princely throne i ever thought that pride would have a fall plain dealing sister your beauty is so sheen you need no dowry to make you be a queen Ixion Lear, Goneril, Regan. Now whither, poor forsaken, shall I go, When mine own sisters triumph in my woe? But unto him which doth protect the just, In him will poor Cordella put her trust. These hands shall labour for to get my spending, And so I live until my days have ending. Exit oh how i grieve to see my lord thus fond to dote so much upon vain flattering words ah if he but with good advice had weighed the hidden tenor of her humble speech reasons to rage should not have given place nor poor cordelia suffer such disgrace exit end of act one